0: perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine fine fine
1: fine fine you're listening to everything is fine in southwest washington where we recognize that everything is not at all fine discuss what we can do about it and empower you to connect with your community okay i'm very excited to share that i have a panel of wonderful people here today to talk about palestine and also to share that finally some organizing is happening in vancouver not Portland, in Vancouver, to educate people on this genocide being carried out by Israel um, and to stop it via an interfaith teach-in for a ceasefire that will be taking place on Sunday, January 14th. Um, So I guess we'll do some introductions. Who would like to start? (laughs) Any volunteers? (laughs) <laughs>
2: I, can go. I can go first, just to break some of this uh, ice here. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Dexter Carney. I use he and his pronouns, uh, and I am a Christian pastor from the Presbyterian Church USA tradition. Uh, I'm here today because my tradition's been particularly complicit in the oppression of our Palestinian siblings in Gaza because of a toxic theology called Christian Zionism that has been fueling this violence from the very beginning.
1: And how about you, Willow? Um,
0: yeah, uh, my name is Zamira Willow Higgins. Uh, I go by she/her pronouns. I'm not a faith leader, but I've been active in the Jewish community my entire life here in Southwest Washington and beyond. Um, and this organizing, like organizing with this amazing group of people, has felt really important to me um, because I know um, my community relates really, really strongly to what's happening in Israel and, and in Palestine in a lot of different ways. And that means that my voice travels really far. And so it felt especially urgent to like, get together and try to stop it and call for justice.
1: Awesome. And how about you, Shirin? Would you like to yeah, yourself?
3: absolutely. Hey, everyone. My name is uh, Shirin el Go by he, him, and uh, at one point I was the president of the Islamic Society of Southwest Washington, and um, and then got very involved in in politics. And this uh, this is I think for anyone from the Middle East, I you know first generation Egyptian, um, I've got you know ties to the you know the area, and so this is always something that's weighed heavily on me. So I was very thankful to run into um, fellow uh, religious folks that were in full agreement with me and actually are way better at doing something about it than I am.
1: Wonderful. And then I kind of just had like a broad question for you guys. Um, you kind of just shared that though, what has compelled you to join up with others, uh, from various backgrounds of faith. Um, is there a commonality between, uh, your various faiths that, that would, uh, that would compel you to want to, (laughs) stop a genocide uh is there anything else you guys want to want to say on that i suppose
2: yeah i i think the reason i'm really drawn towards this uh interfaith approach um one of the major reasons is that so often this conflict um is framed incorrectly i might say as a religious dispute between two religious groups of people israel and palestine But this could not be farther from the truth and i think an interfaith group of folks standing arm in arm across our religious differences showing that there is another way possible i think there's such a lack of imagination in our political leaders um that peace can only be achieved by killing some so that others can survive um and that that's the only way it can be or should be but um we reject any solutions that are gonna pit people against one another. Um, we're not gonna exist in opposition. We're not enemies. We can only build safety through communities and solidarity. and that's that's why I'm here
1: exactly that's that's great. and I think that's what's so powerful about what you guys are doing is the 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 fact that you are rejecting this uh, uh, this pitting. <laughs> against each other of 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 people. So yeah, I I commend you guys for this and um so so willow how are jews here in southwest washington um and then across the US responding to the genocide in gaza? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I think like everywhere in the US, here in southwest washington, the jewish community is very politically divided. Um and especially since October 7th, um I think we're seeing a really a really big rupture in the Jewish community. Um, for a lot of people, um, I mean, a lot of the mainstream Jewish world, including myself, I grew up being taught that like the most important aspect of my Jewish identity was to stand behind the state of Israel no matter what, and to support it no matter what evidence I saw to the contrary. Um, and now that we're seeing like all of these horrific videos coming out of Gaza, all of these horrific statistics, all of these atrocities, um, a lot of people are having a really hard time um, staying in community with people that that see the those same things as a threat to Jewish safety um, and and think that for some reason that justifies genocide and that justifies um, the killing of thousands of people.
1: Yeah, and then um, since you are Jewish, I think that you hold a special credibility to speak on kind of the classic question and differentiation between, um, you know, being anti-Zionist versus being anti-Semitic. Would you like to kind of school us on that on that definition for listeners who aren't clear on that yet?
0: I'd be more than happy to. Um, so, for the record, no, you do not need to be an anti-Semite to be an anti-Zionist. There have always, in fact, been Jews who were anti-Zionist. There have always been Jews who opposed the actions of the State of Israel, or and especially um, since October 7th have opposed um, what we've been seeing. Uh, and similarly, there are a lot of people who benefit from the occupation in Palestine who are not Jewish. There are a lot of people who profit off of it or who benefit from juxtaposing our communities and pretending like safety, like Dexter so perfectly put it, means means killing.
1: And then, uh, you know, just exploring further on this, so like beyond a ceasefire yeah, is supporting freedom for Palestinians, uh, an end to the occupation? I think you already basically said that, but just for more clarification, is any of that anti-Semitic? No,
0: not at all. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. Th- I don't think calling for anyone's freedom um, is anti-Semitic. Uh, I think one of the reasons that I've been so inspired by like some of the organizing that's been happening is is because so many people recognize that our safety as Jews and as Palestinians is intertwined. Um, There is no Jewish safety without safety and refugee return for Palestinians, and there is no safety for Palestinians without um, safety for Jews as well, Um, because ultimately, like, all struggles of oppression um, are interconnected.
1: And then, uh, Dexter, so turning to the Christian community, how are they responding? Um, And also, you know, if you can explain what Christian Zionism is as well
2: yeah absolutely gosh um christians have quite a wide range of beliefs on this topic um there are uh, hopefully a large number of us stepping up to make a change uh to to fight back against these systems of empire that pit us against one another and are fighting for solidarity and peace but there are others who like willow said are um, actively encouraging the situation, are happy with the status quo, if you will, of what is happening, um, and are benefiting from it as well. Um, we know there's a lot of big companies, particularly in Washington, who are making billions of dollars off of this war. Um, it's not just a neutral um, divide. There are major beneficiaries who have quite a large stake in. Uh, this continuing. Um, But in the Christian community, we are very divided as well. Um, I think we're seeing this throughout the country and uh, along many lines. Um, On the topic of Christian Zionism, this is particularly insidious sort of theology um, that I've learned a lot from uh, my colleague, the Reverend Margaret Ernst, Um, Her work on it has really shaped my own thinking, so I want to give a shout-out to her so that I'm not uh, making all this up myself as well. Um, Basically, Christian Zionism is the belief that the modern political state of Israel has a cosmic purpose to bring about the second coming of Jesus. While this, on sort of the surface level, might seem to be sort of supportive of Jewish folks, um, it uh, you know, wanting their well being, wanting their safety with a, a full state, it's actually really kind of a cover up, um, for an interpretation of the Bible that's really anti Semitic, um, as Christians often like to do, um, sadly. Uh, basically, the culmination of Christian Zionism is the belief that when the state is fully created and all the Jews return, Jesus will come back and Jesus will say, convert or die um, to the Jews. Not super pro-Jewish from what I can tell um, in its end goals. Um, It's a toxic theology that uh, treats Israel, treats Jewish people, treats Palestinian people all as a means to an end, an acceptable sacrifice, collateral damage to achieve their so-called salvation. And I think what makes this theology even more deadly is the fact that there are more Christian Zionists in America than there are Jews in the entire world. And that's why I believe it is essential for Christians with any shred of decency to speak up against this toxic theology, a theology that upholds war, death, starvation, apartheid, and genocide. What I believe is the opposite of what um, Christians and all people of faith and all people should be working for, which I believe is life.
1: Oh wow. Jeez. Um Yeah, that's crazy. Wasn't there a whole issue with this like it, like known anti-semite guy at the Do you guys know what I'm talking about at the um, Yeah, the, the pro-Israel rally uh in Washington basically in in Washington DC.
0: <clears throat> I mean, and it's not surprising, too. Like I'm sure like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene I'm pretty sure is also a Christian Zionist or if not, certainly like her and plenty of other anti-Semites in politics use their support for Israel to pretend like they don't hate the Jewish people
1: um, so it's it's so twisted common. oh my god it's, it's just
2: it's a nasty it's so power rude. game of people trying to get as much power as they can and I think this is speculation but Israel knows that by cozying up to the United States, they'll continue to get weapons. They'll continue to get money to cr- to try and create their own political state. And the United States knows that they have a little base now in the Middle East oh. against um, the Arab world, as they would call it, which is also Islamophobic on the other side of it as well. <laughs> so it's an, it's an impressive in the amount of hate that it takes to uh, to juggle this system.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, uh do you do you have anything to add to any of this sharon? <laughs> yeah, um
3: yeah, and I you know, and I have to you know really, you know, shout out like my I'm going to just call them my Jewish cousins for uh you know, just standing for for justice uh when it was needed. I I think Muslims we were we were kind of forced to do so, you know, with the war on terror happening for so many years, you know, they're like, "Why don't you guys ever condemn?" And I'm like, "We we have, we do. Um, and, and like a great example of that, I mean, I mean, Israel's considered like a democracy, and that's frequently what's said. And so since it's a democracy, not a theocracy, we should be able to talk about uh, Israeli domestic and foreign policy without being called like anti-Semitic. And as someone who has really been upset with like the atrocities done against Yemen by Saudi Arabia like no one ever called me an islamophobe for like just railing against Saudi Arabia when they just go to town on Yemenis and it, and it's a very similar war it's it's kind of a war of attrition you know where there's like like food can't reach fuel can't reach and 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 it's and i think it's much it's much Worse in some regards than like a straight bombing, and that you just have people just withering away over years. And and Yemen, I've even lost track of how many years Yemen has been happening. And so, so a couple things. Like one, I I applaud my Jewish cousins and my Christian cousins for you know just you know you know calling out injustice when they see it, Um, and then just realizing that you know we should be able to talk about the foreign policy, domestic policy of a country without taking the majority religion of that and having people be called anti-Semitic.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think a lot of people, um, I've heard a lot of the time that like, oh, what's happening in Palestine is just so complicated. And it's really not. Um, It's very simple that what's happening is a genocide. It's very simple and obvious that what's happening is one part of a 75 year long history of dispossession and colonization. Um, I think what's complicated about it is the way that Jewish communities here in the United States relate to what's happening. Um, The reasons why there is so much support for the state of Israel within the mainstream Jewish world, um, because of our own history of like facing anti-Semitism. And at the same time, the way that the state of Israel is sort of used um, to prop up this idea of Jewish safety that relies on dispossession that relies on oppression um, like that that is complicated the way that jewish voices are used to justify these atrocities is absolutely complicated um but what's happening on the ground is not
1: yeah and that's a perfect uh transition to talking about what's happening on the ground so i have some of the latest thank you for sharin for uh grabbing this from al jazeera for me um so at this point We've reached a death count of almost 23,000 dead Gazan civilians, 7,000 missing, more than 58,000 injured, 9,600 of those children, majority women, children, and elderly, of course, um, in what has been described by international human rights groups as genocide. Genocide historians calling this genocide. UN experts calling this genocide. And we now even have South Africa bringing a case before the International Criminal Court, charging Israel with genocide. You've got collective punishment of this innocent civilian population that's been persisting nearly three months after the Hamas attacks on October 7th. Nearly the entire 2 million in Gaza displaced. 10% of journalists in Gaza have been murdered by Israel. We could all go on and on with the horrifying stats, right? So amidst this reality, Marie gluz in Camp Perez sent a response to you sharin uh when you contacted her about the situation in palestine you said a handful of days ago um so i think i just wanted to talk about like what what are the issues uh with mgp's response um in yeah is a
3: wow okay everyone pull <laughs> up a everyone pull up a bed because the chair won't be enough maybe but um it it, just reading the letter and, and, and it might be hard to like, obviously I can't read the letter because it was pretty long, but it, it was it was very tone deaf and I, and I and I gave her, I have to say I gave her the benefit of the doubt because when I first uh, got that response, it was um, it was a while back. I, th- I think it was as far back as two months ago. The death count was way lower. And it was maybe on par with like the amount of um, uh, Israeli deaths. It it was just a little bit more. But then I got that letter back late last week as well. So late last week, we're definitely in the realm of like 21,000 Palestinian civilians' death and, you know, the same order of magnitude in the high 50,000s for injuries. And so to get that letter again, it just really came across as tone deaf and it was really focusing on the acts of hamas uh, which is kind of the kind of the just what's always used as a justification for like this many civilian deaths and but you know even going beyond mgp you know not to get too political and i I actually come from like a political background and, and so it's very difficult for me but in the in Going back to the early days, again, when it was like the low 2000s in deaths, when when the media was asking President Biden about this, rather than saying something very simple, like, yes, this is like, you know, two deaths is horrific. Uh, 2000 deaths are horrific. No, it, he he immediately said this is coming from the uh, Palestinian Authority or or maybe the the Gaza Health Authority, like we really can't take those numbers seriously. And at that point, it was about twenty-three. It was about twenty-three hundred, and what the Gazans were reporting. And I think the the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces themselves, had reported about twenty-one hundred. So it's not like seven people had died, and you know the Gazans are out there or Palestinians are out there saying, "Oh, thousands of people." It it was it was pretty much on par. As a matter of fact, one other uh, news agency had reported that the numbers were twenty-five hundred. So if anything like the Gazans were, you know, it maybe was a conservative figure. And then to go on um, from there, uh, and sorry, I'm like, this is a really long answer. But John Kirby, who's like the, um, I think he's the White House spokesperson for the Security Council, National Security Council. Mm -hmm. um, He literally said, and I can even give you like the video um, clip of it, but he said, you know, you have to understand that the Gazan Health Authority is just a front for Hamas, when he was asked about that number. And so again, being that the U.S. is a superpower, uh, they could have very easily said, yeah, this is a terrible thing, and then done the typical political, like, hey, look over there, or just deflected. But they they immediately took the entire number and discredited the number. And when you describe it that, that number at 2,300, it just turns into... Mentally, I feel like it turns to zero in that this is a non-issue.
1: Yeah. So actively, like, aiding Israel in its, <laughs> in its propaganda. And, yeah, just, yeah, everything is Hamas-run, um, therefore you can't trust it. And also that's why we should blow up these hospitals, because guess what? Hamas is there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just disgusting. Well, yeah, turning to what, what the United States could do about this and how the U.S. is complicit. So I have a quote from the the bottom of that note from um, MGP. She says, Please know that I'm closely following the situation in the region and will keep your input in mind if legislation related to this issue comes for a vote before the House. So the things that I could find that are being worked on right now is, of course, Biden is asking for more billions Um, To be sent to Israel, Um, and that you know when we know like this is a genocide, this is ethnic cleansing. Like there's there's really no denying it anymore. So we're we're still going to fund this, or we're we're, Biden is still looking to fund it, um, but that needs to be approved by Congress. Um, Then I guess there's also legislation that Bernie Sanders, who by the way has been sure you guys know has been pretty horrible on this issue up until up until now. has now introduced uh, legislation to investigate Israel's indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. I didn't know if you guys had heard about that. Um, so, I mean, those are some legislative opportunities to to push MGP on. Is that is that what you guys are, are looking for? Um, but is there a ceasefire somewhere. legislation? Am I, like...
0: There is a, a ceasefire now resolution. I think it's by Cory Bush...
1: Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, I I so that
0: is one of the calls for um, for the event that we're hosting is for her to sign on to that, calling for an immediate ceasefire and the release of all hostages and political prisoners um, in Israel and in Gaza or, and in Palestine. Um, I think also one thing that's really interesting is like a lot of. Politicians who are enabling what's happening sort of pretend like, oh, it's just it's it's happening so far away. There's nothing we can do while they then vote to give billions of dollars to the Israeli military. Like the United States gives three billion dollars every year to the Israeli military. And Biden has been sending more um, like in addition to that, more supplies, more money um, in the last few months. Uh, so it's not like this is just something that is vaguely happening off in the distance this is something that is happening because of american support um this is something that Israeli politicians feel comfortable doing um because they know that the united states they know that politicians like biden and politicians like marie glues and perez are standing right with them
3: yeah i i definitely wanted to chime in here sorry um Interestingly enough, and again, you know, coming from a background that was, you know, very, very, very thankful that Biden came in after, you know, four years, you know, four very, you know, destructive years. Um, and, And we've seen we've seen the kind of the Biden agenda, like held up by a bunch of different things. If it wasn't the parliamentarian, it was like a Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema. And if it wasn't that, it was like these bad, you know, Republicans. But interestingly enough, actually within the past month, um, President Biden used like an emergency provision to actually allow the sale of arms to Israel that circumvents Congress. So this actually vote to get these weapons to Israel like was completely circumvented. And this provision is like only to be used when like the security interests of the US are at stake. And so this was used just again I think it was late last week and I'd have to check the, the numbers and the date on that. And so coming from an administration that's just been plagued by um, his his agenda being stalled by various players, just to see like this amazing decisiveness in this situation, it, it, it kind of baffles me. And at the same time, being that you know, the U.S. is just this amazing superpower. It just has all the power in the world. When you hear about civilian deaths and Israel is like your ally and your partner in the Middle East, do you put your arm around that partner and say like, hey, this has got to stop? Like, there's just, you know, at again, I said two deaths was enough, but at 2000, 22,000, approaching 23,000, you know, if anyone on the planet had a hand to just really end it quickly and say, like, hey, you know, we'll help you, we'll 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 work with you, you know, against Hamas, or, or whatever, that's one thing, but to just go ahead and just fund more weapons, and to just pump more weapons into, like, a very one-sided, you know, war, where, you know, you have, like, just one massive Middle East superpower in Israel, versus, you know, a group, you know, a group Hamas, which no one in, in Palestine, no one in Gaza really could just like pick up the phone, like, hey, you guys need to stop this. You know, they would have as much power to stop Hamas as I would in calling the army and saying, hey, remember the Iraq war? Like, I need you guys to come home. I, I mean, that's, you know, that would be like me being attacked in my city for, like, the Iraq war. I, I don't have a hand in it. I mean, I I tried to stop it, but yeah, didn't work out very well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's our call for our representative, Marie glusenkamp Perez. She's our representative, and we would like her to do better. Um, we've seen uh Sharin talked about the letters that she's been sending out. It's been basically copy and paste since early October. Um without any uh, any bit of nuance or even updating her numbers to accurately reflect the Israeli lives that have been affected, which is interesting as well to show a lack of care um, on that side of life as well. Um, and and to hear her talk about it not uh, or to hear politicians talk about not being able to do something. and it's really just not not being able to do it or it's just not having the will to do it. In 2020, we experienced this in a profound way. It used to be like, there's no way we could just give cash to our citizens. And then we did it three <laughs> or four times um, because we wanted to, we needed to. Um, you know, there's no way we can do X, Y, or Z. And then, you know, we see Biden just bypass Congress mm-hmm. <laughs> and go straight to selling arms. Um, I, I, to me, it's just a willpower thing. But going back to uh, Representative Perez, she says there's nothing she can do, but she could learn. She could um, learn about the situation and pay closer attention to what's going on, listening to more sources. She could be more fair and nuanced in her communication, even if she disagrees with us. Um, she she will often say Israeli lives have been lost, but then or Israeli citizens or Israeli lives, but she won't even say Palestinian lives have been lost. She'll say other lives or something like that. She'll say there's a lot of Israeli hostages on one side, but she won't name that there's any Palestinian hostages on the other side, which we know for a fact because there was a hostage exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, She uses different language for Israelis and for Palestinians, and that's really problematic. She talks in her letter about um, the siege of Gaza starting on October 7th, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which is incredibly inaccurate and has been going on for years she's willing con- to condemn people attacking israel but she's not willing to condemn people attacking palestine um and i just think there is uh, it's incredibly problematic it 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 lends itself towards islamophobia um and like we said earlier you you can be pro Jewish life and pro Palestinian life it's not something that you have to choose one or the other but her language is choosing one over the other and it's incredibly disappointing to be someone who voted for her um hoping that she would be working really hard to care for the people of our 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 county but also in regards to these matters caring for other people as well
1: yeah so so what you guys what's happening on next Sunday the 14th that, so this is a teach in and i mean so a, a teach in is as i understand it's you this is like just educating people and letting them know what the situation is uh what what we're calling for and then is that going to the i would imagine the goal of that would be to culminate in um you know some kind of campaign yeah.
0: Um, first, I also just want to mention that Marie Luz and Kent perez was one of the, I think, 12 Democrats who crossed um, party lines to vote to censure Rashida Tlaib. Oh. Um, so it's not just like she's failing, she's actively fighting against anyone that tries to speak up for Palestinians, um, including the only Palestinian in Congress. Um,
3: and could I throw in that she... Uh, before George Santos was expelled, um, when he was just going to be censured, she actually voted. I can't remember if it was uh, not present or present. She she, she it was some kind of neutral. Like not vote. voting,
1: but like they, yeah, yeah so, I think it's so present. even
3: like George Santos, who later got in, and I'm so sorry to cut you off, Willow, but I was just going to say like, oh. you know, George Santos didn't deserve like a, a you know a censure vote, but somehow Rashida to leave like the ol- I think the only Palestinian in Congress like yes. was censured, and then you know, a person of color. And then the other person that she centered was also a person of color and both Democrats. Hmm. So, First, sorry, Willow.
0: Please. <laughs> with yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what we're doing is we're, we're having a uh, teach in. Um, we're going to have a set of speakers from different faith communities across Southwest Washington. I'm actually going to be one of the speakers, which is really exciting. Um, We're going to get together, um, try to educate people that might not be aware about how this issue or like about what's going on in in Gaza and how this issue is really a local issue. Um, How we in Southwest Washington um, are involved in what's happening in in the genocide in Gaza. Um, And in particular, uh, like we've mentioned, we're an interfaith coalition. We're a group of people from across different faith communities. um, And our goal is to Hopefully get Marie Luzenkamp-Perez to not be voting with all these Republicans and all these things and supporting military funding for the state of Israel and showing her that actually there is a very diverse group of religious communities in her district that recognize um, that all of our religious traditions are united in the call for peace and the call for justice, not in the call for military funding, not in the call for oppression and bombing and starvation.
3: Well said, Willow. Well, yeah,
1: thank you, Willow. That's that's, that's it right lovely. there. Oh, lovely. Um, right. I I saw. Well, I wanted to thank you guys because on the on the flyer, uh, you are requesting people wear masks and offering masks, and I think that's awesome to make sure we're looking out for our immunocompromised friends and family. And um, and then I did just want to ask, uh, have you guys cons- considered doing like a hybrid virtual thing. I feel like those never work out and they, um, like you can't hear very well usually, but I didn't, I didn't know if you guys had a plan for that or had considered that.
2: Yeah, we are. Uh, we're not planning on doing it hybrid where there's a interaction between it, but we are planning on live streaming the whole event. Oh, wow. Um, so that anybody who's at home or who can't get there or, uh, wants to even watch it later, will be able to access the content and materials. Um, of what we're doing there. Uh, yeah, we want our goal is to make it as accessible as possible. The location it does have some limitations to it, which if you sign up to uh, get our emails about where it's going to be, we'll have a full list of all of the uh, available accessibility options. But yeah, we're going to live stream it to make sure that everyone uh, can receive this great work.
1: Cool, that's so awesome. Do you guys have like a social media presence? Like how are you getting it out there, I guess is... Is my question
3: yeah can we shout out our website um
1: you have a website, uh, Amazing
3: website. yes yes Oh my god! Uh,
2: okay. to sharen yeah
3: uh it's ceasefirecd3.org so literally the word ceasefirecd3.org no spaces no dashes um and what we're doing is the the event is a week from today you know sunday the 14th at 2 p.m and just for security sake we haven't announced the location just yet, and so the, on the website you can sign up and just a little bit before the event, everyone's gonna get the location just so um, just, just to ensure security. I, actually, I really have to hand it to the organizers. There's been, uh, in addition to the masks, um, there's actually ASL interpreters that'll be there as well to interpret that what's being said um, for the hearing impaired. And And then just security was another aspect, so it's not being announced till then. But yeah, ceasefire CD3, dot org and, and then uh there is a facebook page and and instagram as well i think
1: All oh the my same god thing. so exciting three. yeah thank you guys so much i think that there's gonna be a ton of people like myself that are like yes finally vancouver's doing it. like like this is this is awesome i mean i already know a few people that i know like they they care about this and they probably just been going to the portland marches and stuff and like thank you guys for like taking the leadership and and uh and yeah, organizing something, something here.
2: Oh, that's great. Uh, I mean, that's the reason we're here is we were going to Portland, we were going to Olympia or Seattle, and we're like, wait, we're here. And we found each other through some amazing connections. Uh, just a couple of months ago, none of us really knew each other. We all had one or two connections, but then we've come together. I think we've had up to 15 people at some of our organizing meetings, uh, and it feels like it's just going to keep growing. So um,
1: yes, how exciting our
2: voices will be heard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right you guys well it's been great to meet you and have a good day and i'll see you next sunday
2: thank you we'll be there yeah. Oh, yeah. thanks carissa yeah. thanks for having
3: us on
1: thank you so much have a good day yeah.
3: take care yeah.
0: I'm